Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. How's everybody doing today? Listen, I've been doing some Ask Me Anything, some Q&As, some, you know, give me some podcast topics over on Instagram. Also, if you're not following me, what are you doing? At Katherine Morrison Coaching over there. Totally go do it. But I've been connecting with you guys a lot, and one of the topics that I'm seeing come up again and again is around selling. And so I wanted to kick off a short series of podcasts around selling specifically. Because one, I have been uh, in the world of sales. I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but like I grew up, my dad was in sales his whole life. I then, my entire corporate career was in sales. I sold everything from little $97 newspaper ads to multi-million dollar custom software deals over my corporate career. And then in the two years that I've been an entrepreneur, I've been training very closely with my coach, Stacey Bayman, who is a sales coach. So I might know some things, guys. So we're going to kick off a series for a topic that seems really triggering for a lot of people, and it's selling. And I, where I want to start with this is how black and white most minds are around sales, around just the idea of selling. Their little caveman brain comes in and is just like, selling bad, selling sleazy. <laughs> And if that is what your mind associates with selling, being bad or having to be convincing or being sleazy, then of course you will not want to sell your services or you'll feel like you're bothering people or you'll like feel a little cringy because you don't want to be bad or be sleazy or be convincing, but it's all just based on a thought error around what your mind believes sales is. And I actually had to work through this shift really early on in my life because as I've mentioned before, if you guys haven't heard my podcast on my dad, I did it, it came out, I put it out on his birthday. So it would have been the, the episode from August 31st of this year, well, last year at this point, And it was things that I learned from my dad, but my dad was a car salesman. That's was his career. And so he started off as a car salesman. Then he went into management. And by the time he retired, he managed multiple car dealerships. And I don't know if you guys have heard, but there is a special place in our culture for car salesmen. And I know, I know from my statistics on the podcast, we've got like a quarter of the people are international right now. So if you're not in America, I just got to say, you might not understand this, but in America, there's a certain caricature of what it means. Like when you think about sleazy salespeople, like the caricature is the car salesman, right? That's the most common thing that comes to mind when we think about sleazy and selling is a car salesman. And this was really hard for me as a little girl because I loved my dad and I respected him. And I just thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But then as I started to grow up and I went to school and I was around friends and teachers and just American culture, I started becoming aware that what he did for a living was somehow bad or shameful. I started learning 
started just hearing out in the ether that to be a car salesman was without dignity. And my mind started to like wonder, it was like, well, is he bad? Like, is he predatory? And it was so confusing for me as a little kid, because from my perspective, what I saw was a dad that I mentioned this in the podcast that I just mentioned to you guys that I put out about my dad in like this past August. But every Sunday, if we were out as a family, my dad would take us out to the car dealership that he managed. And on Sundays, the car dealership was closed. And he knew that like the car dealership was closed. So he was like, you know, let's just go see if anyone's out there looking at the lot. Because if, you know, they're out there looking at the lot and they have questions, like he was aware, right? Like if they have questions and they don't get a question answered, they just might not come back. So if it's not too far out of our way, let's just drive by the dealership. Let's see if there's anybody that I can help. And so this was totally my experience. Like lots of Sundays was going by the car dealership. And oftentimes there would be someone there. My dad would stop the car. He would get out of the car. He would introduce himself. And I ended up, I don't know, I was probably like six or seven years old. And oftentimes this wasn't like a minute or two stop. If there was someone there, my dad would end up in a full blown conversation. He would be showing them different models. There would be like a whole thing. So I have so many fond memories of like me and my sisters, like getting out of the car and just playing hide and seek in this gigantic car lot while we waited for our dad on Sunday when the dealership was closed, but we were stopping by anyway for him to help this person. And the interesting thing is like my dad at that point, he was the manager of the dealership. He was not going to make commission on that sale. And it was closed. The dealership was closed that day. There was no way he was going to close a deal that day. But what I learned about being a car salesman from watching my dad was that he was a person that really loved what he did. And he, yeah, he loved selling for sure. But he also, he loved selling because he passionately loved the cars he represented. And like, oh my God, you guys, actually the next time I go home, I'm, I'm going to do a whole little Instagram tour. You should see my house. He has all of this 1950s, 1960s, whatever car memorabilia, like all over our house from the brands that he sold and represented. My dad loved these cars and he loved being able to put people into a car that would help their family get around or whatever it was, the thing that they were looking for, right? Like how could he get them into the perfect vehicle for them? And so when I was this little girl, this little six-year-old girl, this was my experience driving by the lot on Sundays. What I experienced, what a car salesman meant was a person that genuinely cared about helping people and would take time out of their day to do so. And so it's just so interesting because something that like so many people would interpret is like this cultural, this like very sleazy thing. I just saw my dad helping someone, right? A car purchase is often one of the biggest purchases a person will make. And so my dad wanted to take time to like make sure that people were making the decision that would serve them. And so this was my experience learning about what selling was as a kid. And so as I started to see all of these caricatures of the sleazy car salesman intentionally selling lemons and all of that, it became so weird in my brain because I started to also, even though I was so proud of what my dad did and it was so cool to see what he was doing for people, 
I also started to feel shame when my friend's parents would ask me what my dad did. And it created so much cognitive dissonance for me because what I was being told by the world stood in complete and total contrast to what my own lived experience was of what my father did for a living. And so to make sense of it in my mind, as a small child, I had to start looking really critically about what people, the adults around me, were saying and why people were saying it. And I started to see how not black and white sales was. I started to see this large spectrum of the shades of gray in the middle. Were there totally car salesmen that were slimy and sleazy and trying to manipulate people into sales? Totally. Were there also car salesmen that really believed in the products they were selling and sold through authentic connection and integrity? Totally. My entire corporate career, this is many years later, right? I'm going from childhood then to like what I did my entire life in my nine to five before coming into owning my business. I was in sales and business development. I had really sleazy, manipulative, creepy coworkers that would intentionally lie to customers to get the sale. I had one at my last job and it was this it was custom software and so he would like promise customers things that he knew once the sale was in he didn't have to deal with it would then become someone else's problem that like you know they weren't going to get the thing yes so yeah was was he in integrity no <laughs> but did i also have coworkers that were so genuine so authentic that they could cold call people for those of you that aren't in the sales world, cold calling is when you just pick up the phone and dial random numbers. Sometimes you know who you're calling and you're just reaching out to someone you've never met before. But I could tell stories, guys. When I worked at the San Francisco Chronicle selling newspaper ads, uh, they had a thing called the dialer and you would just sit on it. You wouldn't even know who the phone was ringing until the moment they picked up, it would like flash up on the caller ID. That was part of my job was like, I didn't even know who I was going to be selling to until the moment they said hello. So did I enjoy that? No. But my point is, I also had coworkers that could cold call people, never having spoken to them before, and make new lifelong friends and clients from one phone call, from authentic connection. Sales in and of itself is just a tool. It can be wielded for good or for bad. And that all depends on the salesperson's thoughts. And this is so important for you to see, like to really deeply see that selling in and of itself is neutral. And it's just your personal thoughts about selling, your beliefs about selling that will either create a really powerful experience for you or one where you feel like that caricature of a sleazy car salesman. One of the most common things that I see in new entrepreneurs is that they don't clean up their mindset around selling. They don't clean up their thoughts around what it means to sell. Like right now, I want you to think the thought, maybe even say it out loud with me. I'm a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. Notice what's happening in your body right now. Notice what's happening in your brain right now. Notice what thoughts just came up for you. 
Notice if you're having a slightly visceral contracted feeling in your body. Notice if you wanted to cringe even just a little bit. Notice if your mouth wanted to pucker up a little bit. Maybe your mouth got a little dry, right? What thoughts specifically came up for you as I repeated that sentence several times? Take a moment right now and really tune into your brain. Tune into your body's tiny, subtle responses. Because a really serious aversion might not even come up for you in your conscious mind, but your body is keeping the score. And if it had any sort of tension or contracted feeling, or maybe, I don't know, maybe something like you'd just taken a bite on a lemon, or that you'd smelled something, I don't know, kind of foul, right? Or like that, that little tense feeling, right? That it's almost a protective response. That's really important for you to become aware of, to bring into your, your awareness that if you were to just sit and say out loud, I'm a salesperson a few different times in a row, exactly how your brain and body would respond. Because if you want to make a lot of money as an entrepreneur, it will require having a really open, expansive, positive relationship with selling. But what happens for so many new entrepreneurs that don't have awareness in their own brains is that they take all of the socially conditioned thoughts around selling about what it means to be a salesperson and they bring them into their business. They bring it into their marketing. And here are some symptoms you can start looking for to see if this is happening. First of all, if you're writing content, but you're not even making offers at the end, right? You're not even like telling you, reach out to me for a phone call, you know, send me a message, whatever the thing is, whatever your call to action is, asking people to hire you. If you're not doing that, you gotta get curious why. Or maybe you watched a webinar and learned that you're supposed to end it with a call to action, but you feel like you have to force yourself to do it. You cringe a little bit every time and you only do it because you're forcing yourself to do so. This is the thing. I see so many people, right? They'll like write so much content on social media or they'll like take a whole class to learn how to run webinars, but then they'll never learn how to sell. (laughs) So they're never going to make any money. And what's ironic is that if you keep the thoughts about sales is creepy, that's the only thing that's going to end up making you a creepy salesperson. Because if you believe that selling is sleazy, or if you believe that asking someone to pay you money is greedy, but then you also want to grow your business, you'll end up trying to force yourself to do it. And when you don't dissolve those underlying thought errors about what it even means to be a salesperson, you're going to keep showing up in a way that's mm, a little creepy. (laughs) And I think this is the thing, right? Some people start to grow awareness of that, that they're in that cycle, that like they can't do it without being creepy or a little bit convincing or whatever. And then they're like, well, I'm just not going to make offers. It's like, that's also not the solution. The solution is to dissolve all of your underlying thoughts about what it means to sell and to ask people to pay you money. And it just doesn't make any sense, right? It would be like, this is what it would be like. If I was a little girl and I kept the belief 
that people were telling me that car salesmen were bad and predatory and sleazy, but then I also still held the belief that I loved my dad. If I didn't clean up all of the thought errors that society had around car salesmen and selling, their lack of thinking, their lack of ability to think in nuance, I would have been a little girl in the world that believed her father was a bad man and a predator and that I also loved him. And so that that would mean that I loved a predator. That would have been very hard for me. And I would have had a very confusing childhood. And what I do know is that if I was able to do this myself as a child who had never gone through coach training and learned the inner workings of the mind and the differences between conscious and subconscious and all the tools to like dissolve them, right? I've got so many more tools now to do it a lot faster. I could have saved six-year-old me a lot of time, but I did it as a child. (laughs) And so if I could do it as a child, then you can for sure do this for yourself right now. Like you have a business that you created to help people and what creates money is selling your services to those people. That's how we know that you selling is good. That's how we know that you selling is a positive service to the world because it gets the people the help that they want. And when you sell from that belief, you actually sell. I want to walk you guys through a couple examples so that you can really begin to see how this shows up. So we're going to start to build a little awareness for you because once you see it, you cannot unsee it. So let's first start with the example of how selling is neutral. When you buy things online, it's extremely normal for the site to have baked into its user flow a step where they offer you more things to buy. It'll be like, based on your purchase history, you might like this or whatever, right? And the technology has no feelings and no thoughts. It's just running the code that's been written of what to show when. And sometimes you glance at it and you have no interest and you just keep on going. But sometimes it offers you something really amazing because they've got pretty good algorithms. And you love the thing it suggests, maybe as much or even more than the thing you already had in your cart. And you buy it. The end. But what this looks like in the real world is how salespeople are taught to upsell. And I worked in retail for a bunch of years as a teenager. So let's play with that a little bit, right? Let's say you're at the mall. I don't know. Does anyone go to the mall anymore? I don't even know if anyone went to the mall pre-COVID. I'm not sure if anyone's going to the mall in COVID, but hopefully the mall is a thing that everyone is aware of, right? Let's say you're in a store shopping and all of a sudden what happens is you have a retail associate, someone who works at the store. They come up and they start talking to you. And that means that your thoughts about sales and being sold to start interacting with that person's thoughts about what they're doing, which is selling. And so if that retail associate is working at that store because it was the only place hiring in the mall and they really don't give a crap about any of the products and they feel super uncomfortable selling, but they were told that they have to do it, it will create a very specific experience for you. They'll start awkwardly going through the motions of showing you other things you could buy and, you know, it'll feel pretty awkward. And if you don't like being sold to, you're going to be like, well, this is, I really feel resistant to this person. And then that's going to trigger all that person's shit. And it's going to start getting even more awkward because they're like, well, I have to do this. (laughs) And it'll feel forced because the person's forcing themselves to do something they don't want to do. 
And then they'll start showing you the table in the front with the new items. And then they'll bring you a couple additional items to the dressing room. And so there's just a dance happening, right? Between your thoughts and their thoughts. And then at the end, they're going to ask you at the cash register if you want to sign up for their store credit card. But the entire experience is going to feel weird and forced because they have thoughts that make it weird. Now, let's say that person totally has a coworker that loves the store and they love all the products that are sold in the store and they love selling. And when people come in, they very naturally, enthusiastically show customers what's new. And because they're so passionate about what's in the store, someone comes in and they're like, oh my gosh, this color would look amazing on you. We just got the shipment of this specific item. Let me go. Oh, I don't, you know what? Your size isn't out here. Let me go onto the back. Let me see if I can get it. Right. They're like so excited about helping you. And then you pick out like three different shirts and you take them into the dressing room and then they come back and they're like, oh man, we just got in these new pants. Let me go. They're not even on the floor yet. Let me go pull them from the back. What size are you? Okay, great. I'll go get you these pants so you can try them on, see if they'll work with these shirts. Oh, they're going to look so great. And then you are like, oh my gosh, I like, I'm getting all this access to these things that aren't even on the floor. This person's like, they know exactly what's going to go with everything that I want. And that creates a very different experience for you than the first person that was just going through the motions, awkwardly feeling like they had to drag you through the store. Both of those people were selling to you. They just had different thoughts about selling. <laughs> and it creates a very different experience for the buyer. Like, let's talk about what's available for you to provide in the world as an experience to your clients. What it looks like to sell something that you're obsessed with. When your thoughts around selling are clean and you don't lack confidence in yourself. It becomes a magical experience where you sweep your customers up into your vortex. Like an example that immediately comes to mind for me is there's this lady at my farmer's market. We have a farmer's market in my neighborhood every Sunday. She sells, she sells some artisanal popcorn people and she gives absolutely zero fucks. Like she's just there. She's just calling people to the table when you walk by and she's got this delicious popcorn. And so of course you've got to totally come try her popcorn. And because I have three kids, we obviously end up at her stand so that they can try the popcorn. And I don't ask her any questions. I'm just there to let my kids try a bite of popcorn. But she just starts telling me about her macaroni and cheese flavored popcorn and how it's actually made from making macaroni and cheese and then dehydrating it and turning it into powder and coating it on the popcorn and how it's organic and where she sources her ingredients. And then after my daughter tries one sample, she's like, oh, you got to try the dill pickle flavor. You like dill pickles, honey? And she's not even waiting for the answer. She's not waiting for the answer. She's already got the bag of the dill pickle popcorn and she's pouring some into the little cup. And I leave like three minutes later, having spent $32 on popcorn that I wasn't planning on spending because it was totally delicious popcorn. And that lady had zero thoughts about it being expensive. She knew her product was amazing. And all she had to get people to do was try a little taste. And then of course they were going to want to buy it and take it home. And because she knows and believes that, of course, she's out there calling people over to try her popcorn because you're going to want it. It's delicious. 
And sure, do some people come over and try the popcorn and maybe not buy it? Or do some people try the popcorn, but then they look that it's $8 per bag and they're like, I don't know, it's a little expensive? Totally. But she's not focusing on those people. She's focusing on how amazing her popcorn is. Like you guys, she's definitely on fire for her popcorn. (laughs) And she knows there's people in the farmer's market that want themselves some bougie artisanal popcorn. And her only job is to make herself extremely easy to find and have a product that's so good it's impossible to ignore. But none of that would be possible if she was sitting in her brain at her farm stand telling herself that selling was icky. Like, I can't tell you how many other people have stands at the farm and they just seem very awkward and uncomfortable standing there. But she's over there. She's like, doesn't seem like she has any thoughts about her popcorn being $8, even though people could go to the grocery store and buy other popcorn for $3. And I, she's also likely not telling herself that she shouldn't sell her popcorn for $8 because some people can't afford $8 popcorn and that she wants to make her popcorn accessible because she wants to sell bougie artisanal popcorn and it's working for her. (laughs) Or you guys, think about my launch, right? I love every time I launch, the people that like come in and they buy immediately, the entire rest of the launch, they're like DMing me the entire time, so on fucking fire for the experience of being in the launch, learning about all of the things I'm going to teach them learning about all the results that they're going to create, learning all of the stories of my clients already having said yes to themselves and what you know they've come into the mastermind for and the giant expansion they had and the results they created from it. It's this entire buzz of possibility and it creates space, right? Because I am on fire and I know I'm like 100%. Like there's no doubt in my mind, I am the coach for new entrepreneurs. Of course, I all I have to do is create a space For any client, any new entrepreneur that's really serious about scaling a business and going full-time, of course they're going to come say yes to what they want. In order to be compelling in your sales, you just have to clean up your thoughts about selling, your thoughts about yourself, and your thoughts about the value of what you're selling. So check in this week. List out all your thoughts about sales. Maybe tell yourself in the mirror a few times, I'm a salesperson. See what it feels like in your body. Maybe talk out loud about the amount you're charging. See what comes up for you. See how your brain responds. See how your body subtly or maybe not so subtly responds. If it contracts, if you start to feel tense, if you feel a knot start to form in your stomach. Because here's the deal, being creepy as a salesperson only comes from believing that sales is in any way creepy or sleazy. Being effortless and magnetic as a salesperson comes from believing sales is fun, natural, authentic, effortless. Of course they want to buy. Of course you're helping them by making an offer for them to buy. When your relationship to selling becomes fun and expansive, playful and effortless, That's how your money will be created, right? It's a little bit like how you are on your journey to the goal is how you'll be at the goal, right? How you are in your relationship with selling is how you'll be at your goal of the money you create from it. And let's be real. Effortless and expansive is way more fun than creepy and convincing. I highly recommend it. 
So check in on where you're at this week and I will be back next week with part two on selling. Hey, are you loving what you're hearing? Do you look forward to waking up every Tuesday to new episodes? Am I your partner in crime when you're driving, taking a walk in your neighborhood, or deep cleaning your house? If so, take 10 seconds right now to rate and review the podcast. It takes all of two seconds to smash some stars and a few more if you want to leave a quick comment. It helps other people find the podcast. And speaking of other people, do you know somebody who's new into entrepreneurship? Do them a favor and send them this podcast. It'll secure your position as the person who always has the best recommendations. And listen, set your calendar alarm for taking this work deeper. The November class of the Think Like an Entrepreneur Mastermind will enroll in September, and I've got a seat with your name on it. To learn more, head to www.katherinemorsoncoaching.com forward slash mastermind, or come hang out with me on Instagram at Catherine Morrison Coaching. I'll see you there.